0: The, um, um, I've had Larry play my wife this morning. He noticed some fuzz on the back of my jacket that he picked off. Normally Patty would notice those things but she's out of town this weekend. Um, she and Nancy are back in Chicago visiting their mom who turns uh, 89 tomorrow. So uh, they had a big uh, birthday party for her last night and um, are joining all of our friends for breakfast this morning. So um, uh, we're grateful that they can have that, that time together. And thank you for being my wife this morning, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, today is one of those um, unusual days because we are looking at, uh, according to the church calendar, liturgical calendar, Christ the King Sunday. And it's a day to celebrate the culmination of the life of Jesus because the new church calendar, our new year, actually begins next Sunday with the first Sunday of Advent. So they culminate the the whole church calendar on this Sunday called Christ the King Sunday, celebrating that Jesus is our Christ and King. And so today is also Thanksgiving, and because we don't have a Thanksgiving Eve service, um It's important for us to take some time to give thanks for all that we have and so today we're going to take a look at both of those and because of that we have the first reading and then I'm going to add a second reading because the first reading really encapsulates or um, concludes in a sense that portion of the first reading which is John 6 1 through 15 So if you will allow me to read that, let's uh, take a look at John 6. After this, Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he said, "Where can we buy bread to feed all these people?" He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, "Even if we wanted, uh, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them then andrew simon peter's brother spoke up there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish but what good is that with this huge crowd tell everyone to sit down jesus said so they all sat down on the grassy slopes the men alone numbered about 5000 then jesus took the loaves gave them to the, uh gave thanks to god and distributed them to the people Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet. We have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. So today, we will focus on the context of our theme Let Us Give Thanks. As we give thanks to God, the first and most basic thing that we give thanks for is for daily provisions food and clothing and shelter and when we give thanks for these basics um, there is one in particular that is more basic than the others I think because I, I, I think that would be food um, because that is something that we need every single day and um, I work with a couple of people who are limiting their calorie intake to 1,100 calories a day, and I think they're starving. Um, I'm not there yet. and But we know that if, if we were to completely stop calorie intake, we'd be in big trouble. And so what, what we are looking at here is that God provides this Basic food, clothing, and shelter. The most important one of these is food. Clothing, you can wear the same clothes for days. You could wear them for weeks, even for months until they wear out, right? I mean, they may not smell the best. But you could get along with, with clothing, with one set of clothing. Shelter. Well, as humans, we, we really work to try to find some kind of shelter. I mean, in Jesus' day, they had caves that they used for shelter. They could go find an empty cave. They, um, they might have found some family members where they could, um, if not stay in the house, at least find a place in the courtyard to, to sleep. And so they, they had opportunities for shelter. But if you didn't have food, if you went without food, For a few days it would mean imminently your death and so we give thanks for food part of my understanding of this basic need comes from a conversation that i had with a youth worker um, when one of our groups was at uh, one of those bible camps uh, beach camp in san clemente Uh, normally we're in san diego one year i think we were in san clemente uh, with the youth group and and I remember um, walking to the city park in the morning because um, how we spent the day was in the mornings were the Bible studies and it was a lot of activity. You learned through the play in a sense of, of the uh, some of the activities and then they would also um, do some Bible studies. We'd have our Bibles with us. Um, beautiful place to do that. San Clemente, sunny day in June in the park. And then... Um, uh, in the afternoons, then, it was beach time, so then you could go down to the beach and swim, learn how to surf, you could um, do all kinds of beach activities. In the nights, we'd go back to the beach for a uh, campfire and some songs, and uh, so, so that would be each day of the week. And uh, I remember, maybe it was the second day, walking to the city park for the Bible study portion In the morning and one of the youth workers there uh, was a young woman she was about 28 years old 29 years old I think and uh, she was there uh, from Ghana she was a citizen of Ghana in Africa and she was actually in charge of youth ministry for the Lutheran Church in Ghana and uh, she had received a fellowship to come and and spend the summer at um, at the Bible camp learning more about how we do camp ministries here in the United States And um, she shared with me that she was a single mom and that the only way she could really make it was because of her mom who helped out a lot. Matter of fact, over the summer, her daughter was living with her mother back in Ghana. So we were walking to the park and talking, and, you know, they have all these little homes I mean this was downtown San Clemente this would have been right when it was built after the war built up after the war so the the average size home was probably like 1100 square feet to 15 1600 square feet and and I recall her um, noticing that there was a car in every driveway and uh, there's also cars along the street parking and so she asked me does does every house here own a car <laughs> And I had to try to explain to her, actually, every house probably owned two to three cars here. It was something she could not even fathom. When I asked her what it was like living in Ghana, where she lived, she said, well, I work all day long, and um, I earn about $1 to $2 a day and she said, that's enough for me to feed my mom, my daughter, and myself one meal. And that's what she had. That's all she had. I remember also years ago being at a, a meeting in Chicago for our church, church-wide organization. And, um, and I can remember a missionary from Africa I don't remember which country she was from but I remember she looked out at all of us in the United States and she said uh, all of us from the United States she says you know actually in Africa we don't know how you all can have faith when you have so much you have so many things we don't know how you can actually have faith in God so food is one of those most basic components of who we are as humans. Food, clothing, shelter. But without food, this young woman in Ghana would not make it. Without food, the homeless in this city would not make it. Without food, you and I would not last. And so we give thanks for food. We give thanks for your generosity because, as I mentioned during the announcements, your gifts Told a little over $2,000, and that was enough to provide a feast for 19 families with 80 children. And so we are grateful for the way that you responded to that request because there are families here in Scottsdale that wonder day-to-day where their next meal will come from you not only provided a meal, but you provided a very special meal for them to have on Thanksgiving. This story that Jesus shares with us, that John shares with us about Jesus, the story um, takes a turn towards a little comedy, I think. When Jesus is asking Philip where they could buy food for the crowds of people that are coming. And Andrew, who is ready and wanting to impress the master, the rabbi, the teacher, uh, Jesus, there's a little boy over here, and he's got five barley loaves. Now, a barley loaf would be like a little cake. It's not even a loaf of bread. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. The fish would have been like pickled fish. Those of you who are Scandinavian that love pickled herring, you can kind of relate to this part. Or if you're from the Mediterranean, you like, uh, um, you know, um, mackerel or sardines, you, you can maybe relate to that. But that's kind of what it would have been like. Five little barley cakes and two pickled fish. And, and he, he offers it, this little boy offers it to, to Andrew, and Andrew shows it to Jesus. Hey, Jesus, look at this. And then you can see in the next line, yeah, but what is five barley loaves and two fish for these people? We give thanks for food but when we have it so abundantly we can take it for granted. We can think that everyone eats like this. The story that John tells us about Jesus is reminiscent of another story from the book of Second Kings. In chapter four, it is uh, it is a story about Elisha, the prophet. Elisha was Elijah's successor, so there were two great prophets um, in the King's story of the Kings. One was Elijah; uh, he was the first one, and then his um, the one who had uh, Elijah had mentored was Elisha, S-H-A. And in um, 2 Kings, it tells us about Elisha, uh, some of the miracles that, that, he, that he performed uh, through the grace of God. In uh, verse 42, One day a man from Baal, Shalishahab, taught, uh, brought the man of God, uh, brought Elisha, a sack of fresh grain and 20 loaves of barley bread, made from the first grain of his harvest. Elisha said, give it to the people so they can eat. His servant exclaimed, what? Feed a hundred people with only this? But Elisha replied, uh, repeated, give it to the people so that they can eat, for this is what the Lord says. Everyone will eat, and there will even be some leftover. And when they gave it to the people, there was plenty for all, and some leftover, just as the Lord had promised. So we give thanks not only for food, clothing, shelter, but we also give thanks for signs and wonders and miracles. That Jesus is in a lineage of great prophets who was able to provide for us from God miracles that brought forth food and faith and trust Jesus was was kind of testing Philip it said kind of teaching Philip I think because he asked him Where should we get food for all of these people that are coming? Some people think, well, he must have been picking on Philip. He wasn't picking on Philip. Philip was from Bethsaida. Bethsaida was just a few kilometers down the road from this grassy hillside where Jesus and his disciples had been. So he knew that, if anybody knew that territory, it was Philip and Philip's response was more of exasperation like there it's not that we don't have the potential for food we don't have the money for the food we have money for maybe a days worth of food but even if we had money for months of food some translations say 6 months some translations say 8 months if we had enough money for that that still wouldn't feed the numbers of people that are coming and so Philip is looking at Jesus requests from a material perspective we don't have enough what Jesus is trying to teach Philip I think is to look at things not from a perspective of limitation but a perspective of provision that God will provide all that they need. And that all they need to do is to trust. Philip is looking at it materially, Jesus is looking at it spiritually. You may not be able to provide what is needed, but can God provide what is needed? Through you? That is the question that Jesus is raising with Philip. And because of that, we give thanks for God's signs and miracles, for his wonders. Because those signs jolt us out of a physical, natural worldview back into a spiritual worldview wholesome, holistic worldview. Jesus was not only thinking of the spiritual power of God to provide the food, but Jesus was also referring to a bread that God would provide that would sustain people for the rest of their lives. Would you eat a piece of bread that would make you not hunger again for the rest of your life? Would you drink from a cup that if it was offered to you, you would never thirst again for the remainder of your life? That is what Mary references in that reading that she shared from the lectern here this morning. The crowds are still with Jesus in verse 30, and they, they answer him, show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. We saw you doing these healings of the sick people, the cripples, and now show us a sign if you want us to believe. We saw, we saw the other ones from a distance. Show us up close. What can you do, Jesus? What can you do? After all, all of our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus says to them, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every single day. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is offering us something greater than a daily provision of food, as important as that is for our lives. Jesus is offering us a spiritual food that will give us the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of eternity with God. The crowd followed Jesus because of his signs and miracles. They had heard how he had turned water into wine. They would seen him heal many people. They were eating the bread and the fish. But they really wanted something more they wanted him to show them some real miracles that would impact their personal lives then maybe they would follow Jesus I have a question for you and that may be kind of limited but if you're a football fan How many of you had given up on the ASU Sun Devils after the last four weeks? Would you call yourself a Fairweather fan? So is that what Jesus is pointing out? Is the difference between a follower and a Fairweather follower? Don't take it personally. I'm a Hawkeye, and I almost give up on my team every single week. Not just for football, but for basketball. So Jesus is testing Philip, helping him to grow in faith, to trust in the spiritual power that God has so that God can provide Philip with even more than what is needed from day to day. So we give thanks for food clothing and shelter we give thanks for signs and miracles we give thanks for traditions and rituals and places to meet what's interesting about this story is that it happens around the time of the passover shortly before the passover the passover was um, a very important theological tradition within israel where they remembered how god had delivered them from bondage from slavery by the egyptians you remember the story of the parting of the red sea and how the israelites were led through and into the wilderness they wandered for 40 years before they finally entered into the promised land but that had been god's promise from the very beginning when he released them from bondage that they would find the promised land so they were remembering that promise giving thanks for that promise of God's deliverance. And so we too give thanks with meals and feasts. For the Israelites, they would slaughter a lamb, and then they would cook that lamb, and they would eat that lamb together in their homes as a family where they would then recite the story of the Passover so that Centuries later, generations later, that the children would continue to remember why that was so important for them, why God had been so faithful to them. Jesus also taught about it in the temple. He also taught about it in the synagogues. And so we give thanks for these traditions and these rituals and these places of worship. We give thanks that God provides the resources that are shared amongst us for staffing, for resources, for ministry, for the opportunity to gather in a place like this. We give thanks for traditions and rituals and places to meet. But the most important thing that Jesus teaches us in the story is to give thanks to God, for God. You know what's interesting? As I think about Thanksgiving and how we often ask God to bless the food and the family and the friends who are gathered around, Jesus doesn't bless the food here. He doesn't bless the food. He blesses God. He blesses God and gives thanks to God. This is the prayer that Jesus would have prayed, a Passover prayer. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe. Jesus is blessing and giving thanks to God, for God. Because everything we have comes from God. Everything. So as we prepare to give thanks this thanksgiving, we remember that Jesus came to us and that he became the king. But he didn't become the king like the crowd wanted to make him the king. Remember, when they wanted to make him the king, he ran from them. He ran and, and hid up in the, in the hillside. Because Jesus knew that, that he would not be crowned as a king with great pomp and circumstance. But that he would be crowned as a king through his suffering and his death on the cross. That his kingship would be cemented, that it would be configured and completed in his resurrection. So Jesus' idea of kingship is not destroying the enemy. But being destroyed. Jesus' concept of kingship is not conquering the kingdom, but allowing the kingdom to conquer him. Because it is through his death that he begins his reign, not just as the king, but as the king of kings, the Lord of lords. So what will you give thanks for this Thanksgiving? Amen.